G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Realfaith.org.au My eldest daughter, she was about 13, 14, and she said all of a sudden to me one day, Mum, why don't you ever talk about your parents? You know, and I said, Margaret, we are Jews. Most of our family all got killed in the war. We don't talk about it, and I don't want you to say anything about it. Nobody's allowed to know. Because I was frightened that something would happen to my children. Welcome to Real Faith, conversations about the impact faith has on our lives and the challenges we go through, helping us today and giving us hope for tomorrow. That's real people, real life and real faith. Today we have the conclusion of our three-part conversation with Holocaust survivor Nettie sharing her incredible life journey. Last time we heard how she came to live in Australia and put her faith in Jesus Christ. But we also heard how she felt the need to hide her Jewish ethnicity even after she became a follower of Jesus. Today we'll hear how she eventually finds a place where she can feel at home and understood while both believing in Jesus and being Jewish. I had such joy, you know, it's just amazing. And a few days later, when our pastor came to counsel me, because, you know, that was all part of the thing. Kind of as the follow-up? Yes, as a Mm follow-up. And uh, he, you know, he wanted to interview me, asked me, you know, uh, how long I'd been out of Holland and why I'd come. And I told him and told him I was Jewish and Mm -hmm. I lost. And then he said to me, well, my dear, he says, now you're a Christian, you're not Jewish anymore. And I was mm. that stunned that I couldn't believe why somebody could tell you that. I mean, how can you just say you're not Jewish? I lost my whole family mm. and I, only a few survived. And that was just the hardest thing. And mm. I decided I never say anything to anybody and I never told, not even my children, nobody knew. I so, came to Melbourne. I, we lived in Melbourne. Uh, I mean, after we were for nearly 10 years in Korea, and then we came to Melbourne. Um, just part of the ch- big church. I never, never told anybody. So the pastor, uh, he was well-meaning. He was but, well, had no idea. But had no because idea. Because he, he was good in the Bible studies, you know, and explained everything, but he couldn't see it. He couldn't yeah. see Well, I mean, if you were a Muslim and accepted Jesus as Savior, you would be a former Muslim. You yeah. would no longer be... Muslim or the same as Buddhist. Yeah, but that or, is a religion. Exactly. So but, uh, Jewish Jew is, is unique. It is a, a people that God has chosen. Right. It's your ethnicity. Uh, yes. Yes. So that you're, you're never going to stop being ethnically No, you can't. No, you can't. It's who you are. No. And, and why would I lose my whole family if you know, for what? So he didn't realize, but he was really hurting you. Yes. And he was a good man, yeah, and yeah. he was a good Bible teacher, but he just didn't understand. And, of course, the irony is Jesus 
was Jewish. That was Jewish, yeah. <laughs> so, there's no more Jewish than Jesus. Yeah, unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So what happened next in your story? So I never told anybody. And as I said, I was here for many, many years. You um, just didn't think they would understand? And I never told anybody. Why? Because you didn't? I'd, I was hurt so much mm. by that, that really I disconnected myself from the church in a way that I went to the church. I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. He died for my sins. And I know I've been set free and given a new life. Mm-hmm. But my own life was separate from that life. You mean your, your Jewish identity? Yeah, was, was separated separate. from the church life mm-hmm. until my eldest daughter, she was about 13, 14, and she said all of a sudden to me one day, Mom, why don't you ever talk about your parents, you know, and do you have aunties and uncles? And I said, Margaret, we are Jews. Most of our family all got killed in the war. We don't talk about it, and I don't want you to say anything about it. Nobody's allowed to know. And she did. She never told anybody. She didn't even talk to her brothers or her, or my other daughter about it. She never. She hmm. she just shut up and never told anybody. And, and why it was amazing. Why didn't you want her to? Because tell I was frightened that something happened would, would happen to my children because I was Jewish that somebody would come and put a bomb in, in my letterbox. Uh, and also at Some that, anti-Jewish person would do something. Yeah, uh, I didn't want to have anything happen to my children, mm-hmm. you know. I didn't want to... So you, you just wanted to protect be, them. Protect them, mm-hmm. that is the whole thing. So don't say anything about no, being Jewish. That's right. And then when Margaret got married, uh, she was at the church who started another church, Baptist Church in Kilside. Mm-hmm. And Not they too went far from where we are sitting right now. <laughs> <laughs> and they went over to help with the pastor, to help with the services and that. So mm-hmm. and then one day they had a speaker coming to their church and it was a Jewish man and he was connected to well, just now celebrating Simon Lawrence, but at the time it was only just very much in the beginning. And he and his he and himself and his wife went later out as missionaries throughout the country. And um, anyway, so he was speaking, and he and, and Marcus couldn't believe it. You know, it's about the Jewish people believers. You know, and uh, so she said to her husband, she said. I like to go and hear this, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so off she went. And at the time they were still worshipping and meeting in a hall of another church somewhere in Hawthorne, I believe. And that is where she went to hear. And then She wanted to know more she about wanted this to know more. Jewish she to guy who believed yeah. in Jesus. Yeah. And uh, she told me about it, and I was very sceptical. And she said... Mum, one day you have to come with me. And um, I said, okay, you know. By that time, my husband wasn't well. And so on Sunday, I said, okay, I'll come by myself, you know. I, mm-hmm. I said to my husband, you stay home. Who knows what this is all about? I just want to find <laughs> out, you know. It could be a bunch <laughs> of weirdos. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> and uh, anyway... So I went with her, and they had only just moved into Caulfield mm-hmm. uh, in 1998. Which is a very Jewish community. Yes. In, in the Melbourne area. Yes, but I know. And, um, uh, and it was in 1998 I went with her, 
and um, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that there were Jewish people who believed in in Jesus and who were so happy. They were singing and unbelievable. I just and then all of a sudden this song came, Shalom Aleichem, and when I heard the words and when I heard the tune. That was it. I was just crying my eyes at him. And Margaret got so concerned. Mum, what's the matter? And I said, that is the song I know. And I know my mum has taught us that when I was little, mm. you know, and it is so important to tell your children about Jesus and mm-hmm. teach them the right way, even from when they are little. Mm-hmm. Because yep. this is what happened to me. And, uh, and here... This song was sung, and it, I just couldn't believe it. Just it. touched your heart. Yeah, it was just unbelievable. What, what are the words? Shalom Aleichem. Heavenu Shalom Aleichem. Heavenu Shalom Aleichem. Heavenu Shalom Aleichem. Heavenu Shalom, Shalom, Shalom Aleichem. Heavenu Shalom. What does that mean? Shalom Aleichem, peace be with you. But I only knew the first two words. I never, I knew the whole tune, but I didn't know any of the other words of the song. But that is what I remembered mm-hmm. yep. from what my mama told me. So this is a traditional Jewish song? One of song. the normal Jewish songs, yeah. So they were singing that yeah. at this Messianic Jewish yeah. congregation, yeah. as well as other yeah. Hebrew songs? Yeah. How did that make you feel? I, I just realized how much connection have I got here, you know? What am I doing? Where, why am I in another church where I couldn't even talk about my own life and what happened to me while I'm here in a congregation and everybody has the same understanding and knows where they're from? And that is when I started to talk to Lawrence and you the know, pastor. explain it all, and uh, and I've never been back. Today is the conclusion of our three-part conversation with Holocaust survivor Nettie. And it's great to hear how she finally found a place where she felt at home worshiping Jesus at a Messianic Jewish congregation. Next, we'll hear more about what it means to be a Messianic Jew when we return right here on Real Faith. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. You're listening to Real Faith, conversations with real people about how God works in their lives. If you want to know more about integrating faith into your life, our website is realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Just go to the website and you'll find helpful articles about the impact faith can have on your life. And you can listen to past programs about the impact faith has had on others. Once again, that's realfaith.org.au. Well, 
Welcome back. I'm Eric Scadabo, and today we have the conclusion of our three-part conversation with Holocaust survivor Nettie sharing her incredible life journey. Before the break, we heard how she felt at home worshiping Jesus at a Messianic Jewish congregation. And a little background information for you before we continue. Messianic Jews are Jewish people who believe and have accepted Jesus as the promised Messiah. These Jewish people do not stop being Jewish, but they continue to remain strong in their Jewish identity while following Yeshua, which is the Hebrew name for Jesus. Many Messianic Jews refer to themselves as completed Jews, since they believe that their faith in the God of Israel has been completed in Yeshua. Now let's get back to Nettie's story as she talks about how she became involved in a Messianic Jewish congregation. We lived out Pakenham Way, mm. bit out, lovely open area, and um, that was then. Mm. Not now yeah. it's all back to nearly a suburb of Melbourne, but um, it was then a really country, and and it was easy to get on the freeway and comes through to Coalfields, you so know. So you just, from that point on, and you just went yeah, there well, every But we every still Saturday. were in the church because, mm-hmm. you know, we were involved. My husband was involved in the church as well. And we just, just couldn't couldn't cope with just all of a sudden leaving. That was not our yeah, idea. Yeah. And so you went to both? We went to both. And then my husband became much more ill and my children said, Mum, you have to come and live close to us. So we moved, they found us the place in Croydon, but it's only a couple of minutes from one daughter and about 10 minutes from my other daughter. So I'm very much, you know, closer yeah, to them. Yeah. yeah, and then after he died, I'm completely, I've got more involved with the congregation there. And yeah. Yep, and then when I went to visit the congregation the other week, you yeah. greeted me at the door. That's right. <laughs> and you said Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom, yeah. Which means... Yeah. Uh, peace for the Sabbath, yeah. I give you peace for the Sabbath, yeah. Well, I feel much at home. You know, at the churches I went to, um, you just really, because, you know, I could never talk openly. It just felt like they had to leave your Jewishness at, on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. It is so how now I always you can felt. embrace and your Jewish embrace heritage. It. Yeah, and my friends I had in the in the church, they're still my friends, mm-hmm. and I've told them all about it, and they're just happy to be my friends, and mm-hmm. we get on very well, and a lot of them understand, and that is wonderful because I didn't lose my friends. Mm-hmm. So my you could friends. go to. One week, go to a traditional Christian church, a Baptist yeah, church. Yeah, I, I go sometimes with my daughter and son-in-law to Croydon Hills. And you now feel comfortable. And, a while, and I, I still got all my friends there as yeah, well. It's, yeah. it's just wonderful. But they know. They know that uh, I'm happy where I am in my Jewish congregation. And, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. And um, one thing I had to learn as a Christian to learn to forgive. Mm-hmm. Now, because, you know, God wants us as a people to share our love with other people, but you can't share your love if you have something against somebody. Mm-hmm. And he wants us to forgive. And I had to learn to forgive my stepmother. Now, that is one of the hardest thing because there was so much negativity mm-hmm. in my life about her. But, you know, if if you go really deep into the Lord and learn about His forgiveness for my life, mm-hmm. 
he died for me. He set me free, you mm. know. Um, you can't then have anything against somebody else who might have done you wrong. Mm. Probably yep. she did this to us because she wanted to get the Jewishness out of us. But you can't do that. You can't. Right, right. That is something that cannot happen. Mm-hmm. But that is what she wanted. She wanted us to be Protestant, as she called it. And we had no idea what Protestant meant at the time, but she wanted us, but she just couldn't love us. Mm. And that was one of the hardest things, I think, for both my brother and I, that she didn't love us. But later went on, when you get older, you think, yeah, how, how hard is it to love another child that you haven't born, that is mm. not your own? And it's not, that is not easy, Mm. you know, but God's love is different. Mm -hmm. God's love through, through the love of God. We can love other children. We can love, but she didn't have that Mm. in her. And that was the whole thing. And, you know, I got some first written down because, um, I'm getting older. I keep forgetting things. (laughs) And, um, but, you know, the Bible tells us we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God mm-hmm. uh, in Romans. And he also said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. And, you know, it took a lot of prayer and mm-hmm. a lot of soul searching to learn how to forgive. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that I had to learn, you know, and, and also in Mark, it was written that whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. And for me to come to understand that if I wanted God to forgive me for my bad things I've done in my life, I had first to learn to forgive somebody mm-hmm. else. And that was actually the greatest thing in my life that I had to go through. But when I learned that and when I was able to forgive my stepmother, I was just, oh, I've just set you free. Mm, It is just a wonderful thing to do. Yeah. And then other people who have gone through the Holocaust survivor journey. Yeah have gone the other direction. Oh, most Jewish people don't want to know about atheists. God because they've become atheists. Because where was God? Where was God? And you try to say, well, God was there with you in the camps. And, it, you know, and, and uh, as Christians, when you read Corrie ten Boehm's books, mm-hmm. yep, yep. she was a witness there, right there. And, and I've read other books from other Holocaust survivors who still believe in God. And I tried even in the deepest hours to celebrate the Passover, even in the camps mm-hmm. with nothing that they had, you know, and, um, yeah, it's amazing. So you went searching for God. Yeah, and I found him. And you found him. <laughs> and, and you have joy. Yes, I do. I do have wonderful joy, yeah. Any other final comments you'd like to share? Oh, I always... When I have talked to churches and schools, you know, I always finish up 
with a verse, and that is, be strong and of good courage, and do not be afraid, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is what I always finish up with, because it is so true. He never leaves us, he never forsakes mm-hmm. us, and he sets us free. Wow, even though you've been through some horrendous, terrible experiences that we wouldn't wish on anyone, no. but the Lord was with you. And you can share that story with others and give that hope to others. That's right. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you for inviting me. And for the few remaining moments that we have in today's program, I thought it would be good to have Lawrence Hirsch, who is the executive director of Celebrate Messiah, join us to give us some insights into Nettie's story and help us understand what messianic Jewishness is in general. Welcome to the program, Lawrence Hirsch. Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be on. Glad to have you with us, and you are familiar with Nettie. Do you remember the first time she came to visit your congregation? Yes, it uh, was some time ago. Uh, We were running services uh, in Hawthorne West at that time, and I remember Nettie coming with her daughter. And uh, it was uh, very special to meet her and to hear her story. And, um, you know, to find out subsequently how God had really touched her on that first night that she came. And uh, her story, of course, is that she she, uh, came and just felt that she was finally at home. And that's exactly the kind of thing we're trying to set up at our ministries to help Jewish people uh, reconnect with God and come to understand that Jesus is our Messiah. And, of course, we, we worship in a way that is culturally sensitive and relevant to Jewish people, and that's exactly what we hope what happened is that they reconnect with God and their Jewishness and um, come to faith in Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. Now, in her story, she accepted Jesus as her Savior here in Australia in the 1960s, and a very well-meaning pastor told her, you are now a Christian, you are no longer Jewish. And that just really hurt her. Can you kind of explain to people why that would be hurtful for a Jewish person to hear that? Well, I think uh, you can imagine, especially uh, for Nettie, as a a Jewish person whose family was killed in the Holocaust, many of her family members killed in the Holocaust. She survives that Holocaust as a Jewish person, and at this point, she is hiding a bit of her Jewish identity because of the persecution in Mm -hmm. Europe, so she's not really living as a Jew, but always in her heart she knows she's Jewish. Uh, and she comes to faith in Jesus, and remember that Jesus is really the Jewish Messiah. He mm-hmm. came in fulfillment of God's promises to, to Israel, and he came as the uh, the Messiah of, of Israel. So she received Jesus as the Messiah, and then gets told that now she can't be Jewish anymore. She's no longer Jewish, she's a Christian. So, uh, of course, that is uh, a deep uh, affront to her at that point. And uh, it is an issue uh, to Jewish people, because, of course... Um, you know, we, we do, you know, most of us believe that our Jewish identity is important and we don't really want to leave that at the door when coming to faith in Jesus. And why should we? Mm-hmm. Uh, if Jesus truly is who he said he was, i.e. the Jewish Messiah, well, then what could be more Jewish than than following him? So um, 
that's the kind of message we want to get across to Jewish people, is that you don't have to stop being Jewish to follow Jesus, because he is the Messiah, and uh, he came in fulfillment of all that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, even said things like, I've not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but I've come to fulfill them. So uh, for those of us who have come to faith in Jesus, we feel that we are now really completed Jews in the sense that we have come home to our Messiah. Now, yes, exactly. Very, very important to Nettie. But I'm just trying to look at it from the perspective of, you know, more mainstream Christians are thinking, well, hey, if I was a Muslim and I put my faith in Jesus, I would be a former Muslim. But Jewishness is unique. You don't become a former Jew. Is that what you're saying? That's right. Well, you know, it's what I like to say to people is they often uh, might comment to me and say, well, Lawrence, you're a converted Jew. And I say, no, I'm a converted sinner. It just happens to be Jewish. Uh, I didn't have to repent of being Jewish. That's not a sin. Uh, yeah, the difference is that, of course, Jesus himself was Jewish, and the whole message of the gospel was brought to the world by Jewish people. So the first disciples were all Jews. You know, it was a message that was consistent with what God had already given to the Jewish people. So it wasn't a new religion. It was a fulfillment of what God had already said. So it really is a continuum. Uh, and mm. so we are Christians in a sense of our faith, but Jewish in our ethnicity, of course, and we don't have to leave that at the door. We'll still be Jews and we'll die as Jews, but we love the Messiah. And uh, uh, this is an important part of also our ongoing witness to our people. We want to really help Jewish people understand that uh, we are Jews, and we'll continue to be Jewish, but we believe that Jesus is our Messiah, and that he really is the completion of Judaism. So often uh, we call ourselves a Messianic Jews, and mm -hmm. we use that term in order to, again, emphasize the continuity with our Jewish identity, and that we haven't given up our, our uh, Jewish faith and our Jewish background, but we are now followers of Jesus the Messiah. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us and helping us understand a little bit more about Messianic Jewishness. That's a pleasure, Eric, and thanks for the question. That was the Executive Director of Celebrate Messiah, Lawrence Hirsch, who is also the rabbi at Nettie's Messianic Jewish Congregation in Melbourne. If you'd like to learn more about their congregation and about the larger Messianic Jewish movement in Australia... Their website is celebratemessiah.com.au. That's celebratemessiah.com.au. Well, thanks for joining us for the conclusion of our three-part conversation with Holocaust survivor Nettie sharing her life journey. If you've missed any of the three parts, you can find them all on our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. You've been listening to Real Faith, and if you have any questions or comments, you can send us a message through our website, realfaith.org.au. That's realfaith.org.au. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join us again next time for more conversations about God working in the lives of people who put their faith and trust in Him. That's real people, real life, and real faith. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.